Today on the podcast, I talked to Trisha Fenimore. And if you have an Instagram account, there's a good chance that you have seen her videos before. After I had seen a couple of hers, I thought I need to talk to this woman. You know, all the people that I've talked to on here are all helping other people. They've usually been through a struggle of some sort and they're using what they've learned to help those around them. And I love that. I love getting to talk to those people and find out how they're helping just to highlight their ministry or their charity or their nonprofit, whatever it is they're doing. So we had a great conversation. She was so easy to talk to and fun and she's very real. And that's what I love about her. So enjoy our conversation. Thanks for listening. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's been I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I wanted to talk to you about is probably out of order of the way it happened in your life, but I found your Instagram account first. um, Probably the first video I saw, I think it's pin, but it's the one where you were talking about um, asking the question, can people really change? And you Mm. talked about your life. And I thought, okay, hang on a second. Here's this lovely woman who clearly takes care of herself. And she talks about all these things in her life, which if no, if you didn't have an Instagram account and didn't talk about what you're talking about, nobody would know that about you, that you were an alcoholic and you had all these problems. That's not the picture that people see now because your life has changed. You're, you're a different person. And so I was, go ahead. I I was just going to say, sorry, I'm like getting situated here in my seat. Um, you know, it's, I had a moment the other day where I was getting my older son. So I have two toddler boys um, and I was getting our older son ready for school. And I, I'm going to tear up, but it's like, I was packing a snack in this little like reusable snack container. And that cost like, you know, $15 and I ordered it offline. Um, But it's like, you know, and then I, I got the shirt. I, the shirt was already laid out because it was like a, a certain day at school and there was a theme and I ordered the shirt like a week in advance. And like, you know, I got him to school on time and I actually had that moment where I was like, man, if you didn't know me, like you would just think I'm a normal mom in the car line. Like you wouldn't know that when I packed his cart, when I packed his snack in like that $15 reusable container that like, in my mind, I'm like, that's amazing that we have such nice containers for him because I used to live in poverty in my twenties. And it's like the fact that I was sober and remembered you know, not only to order the shirt a week in advance, but that it was theme day and, you know, that I had him to school on time, which like there was a lot of times growing up where I was not at school on time. Um, And it's like, if you didn't know who I used to be, then like you would just think that I'm a normal mom. And, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, I think I am because it's like, I think so many people have these struggles and maybe they're not addiction. Maybe it's not living in poverty, but maybe it's like losing a loved one or a difficult health diagnosis or like a divorce that shatters you or something. And there's, there's people in our daily lives just walking around and they're walking around, frankly, as miracles, like of testimonies of God's healing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I never wanted to be an alcoholic. I never wanted to struggle with addiction. 
Um, but now having been on the other side of recovery here for a little over 12 years, I got sober by the grace of God in 2011. Um, but it's like now being on that other side, I see that that was one of the greatest blessings in my life because it was my collision course with God, you know, up to then I, I did mostly everything I wanted to do. I could accomplish things in my own strength, but it was that that really brought me to my knees, literally and figuratively, where it's like, no matter what I tried, I could not do it. And it's like, it was only through his mercy and his grace that I'm here today. I'm married, you know, happily married with two great, amazing kids. And I have, you know, what some people call a ministry on Instagram. I don't really know what to call it. Honestly, (laughs) I don't think a person like me should have a ministry probably, but maybe that's, I don't know. I don't really know what to call it. I'll just call it my, the Instagram account um, where a lot of people have kind of taken to it, but it's like, I view all the time in my life since sobriety as like bonus time as like a second chance at life. And it's like, because God gave me that, I owe it to him to give it all back to him, you know? And like, that's really what I want to do, you know? And I know that I share kind of things that aren't really talked about all that much, or they are kind of talked about, but not always, you know, I don't know. I, I just kind of see it as like, it's not, about me and it's not my story when you know who I was and you see where I am now. Yeah. I don't want people to see me. I want people to only see God and to right. see what's possible in their lives and their loved ones' lives, you know? Um yeah. and if I can do nothing else, then like if I could just do that for one person, then I'll have done my job, you know? Yeah. Well you I mean I think it is a ministry, but this is what I love about what you're doing is mm-hmm. that number one, you're speaking the truth. You're not shying away from anything. You're doing it in, you know, short time. You know what I mean? They're short. People are going to listen. They're not going to listen to somebody that's going on for a really long time. So I love that it's short clips and you're consistent with it. You continue to do the same thing over and over. And the next one that stood out to me, which you're probably going to laugh, but I love that you're being real. You're being real with people. You're not, you're not being churchy. You're not being, you know, just sugarcoating things. The other one that stood out to me is when you talked about our use of the word, damn it. (laughs) And how we use it so freely. I mean, really we use it freely and it's, it's not good. It's not speaking live. And so that's, I'm like, you really like those ones where I get real and gritty. Yes. I mean, you gotta be real and people, you know, people, if they know your story, they know that your life has changed, but they're not going to know your life has changed unless they know where you were. You know what I mean? So right. I love, I love that you're doing that. I love it. I, yeah. After I started watching a couple, then they, I mean, I started following you, but you know, then they just started popping up. So I've been watching all of them. <laughs> Everyone that I Thank can. you so much. Yes. Yeah. You know, like I, I think growing, so growing up, I, I became an atheist at the age of 11, which is early. I that was the only way I was an early bloomer. Everything else in life, I was a late bloomer, but in atheism, I was a very early bloomer. Um, and so it's like, you know, I, I remember kind of this image that, and maybe it was all in my head and some sort of inferiority complex, or maybe they, there really were some Christians where I was from that felt kind of better than and kind of holier than now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I knew, I knew I wasn't that, 
You know, like I knew I wasn't a preacher's daughter. I knew that, you know, I I started swearing, you know, before I became an atheist. So like it started early that. So like, you know, uh, and speaking about the video I made about swearing, but it's like, you know, I knew I just, I didn't fit in. Like there was always just a sense that I was like somehow broken or not good enough. And it felt kind of like, you know, where everyone else had a soul, I had an itch. You know, and I just couldn't get comfortable in the setting of church or around people talking about Jesus. You know, like I had never really witnessed somebody demonstrating the true love of Jesus Christ until much later in life Um, and being taught how to pray, really, you know, like truly praying that it's not just like one prayer you say every day, you memorize it, you say it, you know, while you're going through all the stuff in your head, you know, that it's a real conversation and a real experience with God. Um, And so, you know, like, I, I think sometimes there's a struggle because we all want to look good. Right. And like, even me, sometimes I make videos and I'm like, Oh, that was, that was too much. That was too real, <laughs> too vulnerable. It was too much. And a running joke between me and my husband is like, I have no idea what people want. The videos I think people are going to like, like, you know, it's kind of, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. The ones that I'm like deeply self-conscious about, and I'm like, I don't think I should have shared that, or I don't think I should, you know, those are the ones that actually people like. Yes. Um, and so it's like, you know, I think that we have, we all have this urge to want to be seen a certain way, right. but when we lay that down and say like, well, how can I serve God and, and expand his kingdom in a real way, you know, then I think that vulnerability becomes a lot easier because it's not about me, you know, right. and I, I made a note in my book in like the author's note where I was like, this story has never been about me. You know, my life story has never been about me. It's not about anyone else. It's about him and like what's possible through him. Um, And so it's like, I think sometimes we we make the mistake of trying to sterilize people's stories in to fit within the confines of a church. And I'm not saying we need to go into churches and be dropping four letter words. That's not what I'm advocating. But what I am saying is maybe we can all extend a little more grace to each other which starts with extending grace to ourselves and allow for those flaws, those real conversations about real issues um, in a way that might make people uncomfortable, but that ultimately can serve as a testimony to God's glory. Right. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. Talk to me about why you decided at such a young age to become an atheist. What was your, what was your thought process at that time? Yeah. So I, I, I talk about it a little bit in my book, not to, oh, I, it, I described like the scene, but I'll describe it for you now. That's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, so I was, I had been labeled gifted, you know, in this, in, in my rural hometown and I was put in kind of a conglomerate class of like a half dozen kids from each of the three elementary schools. And in that class, you know, obviously, like, there were only a couple girls, so we kind of gravitated toward each other. Right. And I got to know these young girls a lot better um, through this gifted class. And on one occasion, I was speaking with one of them, and she shared that she was an atheist, and their family was were atheists. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. And she's like, well, it means we don't believe in God. We don't pray. We don't go to church. And I was like, 
Now that sounds like heaven to me. Like, I don't want any part of church. I, right. I sit there bored. I'm like biting my fingers. They're bleeding all over the place. You know, like I feel like I've got to be like rigid and stiff and I can't speak up. And like, you know, you want to sing, but you don't want to sing too loud. And, you know, and so it's like, you know, because I hadn't had that living faith that I hadn't right. experienced that yet church was an easy thing for me to walk away from and God, you know, was an easy thing to walk away from because I thought that that's what it was, you know, like it it took me a little while into adulthood to realize that I had made false gods of that stereotypical judgmental Christian. Um, Meanwhile, I've been judging them all along, but that's like, (laughs) I hear more there, right? Like I've, I've made all these judgments about their lives when I didn't know them. And I'm like, they're the judgmental ones. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I looked at that and I was like, well, they're the representation of God. They're the, you know, they're the people here, you know, on the team. I don't want any part of it. Um, and so when I was introduced to atheism at such a young age and I had all these questions about God that no one really could answer or account for, um, along the way. I, it was kind of a convenient solution for me where I could wrap it up in a neat, tidy bow. And I'm like, Oh, doesn't exist. We're good. You know, I, and, and there was this idea that really is, was childlike and not in the way that the Bible encourages us to be, but like childlike in my, my logic was, well, how hard could it be to be a good person on my own? You know, like I'm a good person, how hard is it going to be through life to stay a good person? And it's like, I had no idea the literal spiritual war that was about to confront me as a young adolescent girl, you know, and it was like uh, my, my descent from atheism to rock bottom, which led me to God was a quick one. You know, like I became an atheist at the age of 11. My life got progressively worse, Mm -hmm. um, punctuated with some worldly success here and there, but never a happiness, never a peace, never a joy or a sense of like, you know, relief from all that angst that, that we have as humans. And it's like, I found God at rock bottom at the age of 23, when I had become just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had tried everything on my own to try to like make myself feel right and comfortable and okay. And it was like, I never experienced peace until I found God. Um, And that's not to say that it was like a light switch. And it's like, everything's been rainbows and butterflies ever since, you know, but I actually, I just made a video um, for Instagram. I haven't yet posted it, but I I share in the video, I say my worst day with God is so much better than my best day without him. Absolutely. And and that's really, that's really how it is. It is. So what about people? Do you have any atheists that have commented on any of your stuff or? Oh uh, yeah. Um, So, you know, look, I I lead with the chin a little bit in my bio. I say I'm a former, I say I'm a former atheist because I am, you know, and I want people to know that part of me. Um, But I do have atheists from time to time comment. And I, I respond unless it's like explicit, in which case I delete it and I block them. But like, if it's just like them kind of needling and trying to rattle the cages, I always try to respond the same way, which is like, welcome. And I try to use their name. I say, I'm so happy you're here. Like, I'm so glad you found my page. And, you know, most of the time they go away, but sometimes they come back and they'll be like, 
oh, haha, I, I was just kidding, LOL, you know, and they try to like circle back. But it's like when I was an atheist, you know, I was an internet troll and I would go around rattling the cages of all these people who believed in God, trying to get a rise out of them, trying to prove that if I could get them to argue that they don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the way they claim to, you know, because he was the way of peace. So if I can pull them down into discord and strife, then I'll prove that that's not real. Um, And, you know, like I, I, I think that when we lack, a purpose, you know, like the Bible says, without a vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. And it's like, without a, a vision and a purpose, that the, the vision and the purpose that God has for our lives, you know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he's got a plan and a purpose for you. Without following that and finding purpose in following his plan for me, mm-hmm. I settled for strife and discord and argument. Right. Because in the absence of purpose, I was going to settle for attention. You know, I was going to settle for just a sense of acknowledgement, you right. know, um, and so knowing what it's like to be that atheist troll, right. um, I try to meet them with love yeah. and in a way that might surprise them. Um, and I want them to know that they are welcome here. If you're an atheist, you are absolutely welcome on my account. I hope you hear something you like. If you have questions, like, you know, I'm happy to engage in conversation that's civil. Yeah. Um, but it's like, there's, I have, I have such a heart for atheists in the right. same way that I have a heart for people in active addiction. You know, like, I think you just, you have a heart for things that you've gone through, Absolutely. you know? And so like, no matter, no matter how they try to, to rattle my cage, sometimes it works, but other times it's mostly just funny. Like, yeah. um, like the one, I, and it's funny that their, their criticisms come in waves. Like they went, there was like a big wave where like people were criticizing my appearance for a really long time. Um, and then it just like went away. Cause I, I think I like made one joke where I'm like, I know I don't have lips. Like I've literally, I've owned this chat, this lipstick for like five years. I know I don't have lips. Like you don't have to tell me I don't have lips. Oh my God. <laughs> No, um, but it's like, it's just kind of funny. I think if you can, if you can laugh at yourself and meet them with kindness, I don't stick around for long. I'll say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you kind of answered my next question was going to be, if you were going to have a conversation with someone who said they were an atheist and they, you know, they had every reason why God is not real. What would you tell them? I would just say, then what am I, you right. know, what, how am I not a data point? You know, like a lot of atheists tend to go toward the analytical, they go toward the scientific phraseology. And I'm fine engaging in that kind of conversation. Let's talk about the data. Let's talk about how 97% of people on this planet believe in some sort of higher power. Let's talk about the changes in my life. Yeah, only 3% of the world is atheist and like agnostic or something like that. Um, It's really amazing because they're loud and it makes it seem like there's a lot of them. But it if does. you really combine all the faiths, it's like yeah. most people believe in something. So let's exactly. start there. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, let's talk about how nothing in my life changed except for the fact that I started praying. And, and I'm still sober to this day, you know, and people might argue the placebo effect that I, I sit there and say, man, it transcends that because we're, we're 12 and a half years in, or almost 12 and a half years in, you know, like uh, there's, there's not a placebo effect that can do that maybe momentarily. Um, you know, the, the level of coincidence 
Mm -hmm. And some would call it miraculous that exists in so many people's lives. And the more you kind of get into this community, the more you hear stories that absolutely blow your mind. You know, Mm -hmm. I sat next to a woman at a spiritual conference once. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer. She was given like nine months to live and no doctor would do anything. They all said it was impossible. And she goes, I started praying and I'm still here like 10 years later. And it was these are data points. They're in, they're inconvenient to the argument of the atheist, you know, but they are data points and they deserve recognition. And I would just argue one more thing. Not that I'm going to argue. I'm not going to argue in Jesus name. That's (laughs) like, I'm like, he was the way of peace. I'm not going to argue in his name, but I will make some points. So here's my other point. (laughs) You know, my mom growing up, uh, my mom was an art teacher. And so I went to art museums a lot growing up. And I remember once, I think I was like 19 or I think it was 19. And um, we were at this art museum and I was looking at this painting of the mother Mary and Jesus. And she comes up behind me because she was always such an advocate for the arts um, when she was in that line of work and even still. And she came up to me and she goes, you know, Trisha, it's funny, no matter what culture, in what time period, in wherever on earth you look, every civilization has found some way to create art, whether it's painting, whether it's music, whether it's jewelry making, like every every population of humanity has found it, you know, important to make art. So don't you think that that expresses this innate human need for artistic expression? And I was an atheist at the time she said that, but blame it on the painting I was staring at. I still remember I was staring at like these red folds and the robes and it just all kind of blended together. And I realized the same could be said about faith and belief in a higher power. You know, no matter where you go on this planet, no matter how far back in human history, they've always found some sort of way to try to reach up. Now, like I've studied some and I've practiced other ones before Christianity. I'd never found any that that worked for me like Christianity. You know, right. like that was Christianity is a whole a whole you know different thing than everything else I experienced in my life. But it's like you know, don't we think that if you look at that from a human behavioral standpoint, doesn't that express an innate human need right. for connection with the divine with God? you know, um, and, but even, you know, that wasn't good enough for me. I still wanted to be an atheist. I still needed to be shown for myself, but if you care to have to take those conversation points into like any conversations with atheists, you know, those were pointed moments in my life. Well, were were your family atheists? Were your your parents atheists growing up? No. So we, we went to church every Sunday, usually late arguing along the way who's who's responsible for making us late that week um you know and we said our nighttime dinner time prayer you know god is great god is good let us thank him for our food amen you know like that kind of thing um but like i said you know like it wasn't it, it i didn't see a living faith really you know like i was never like taught how to pray i was kind of like you know we went to sunday school but it was you know, I, they couldn't answer a couple questions I had. And like, it was more just like, oh, these stories seem a little outdated. You know, and I think that like, unless we find something, you know, like people always ask me like, well, what's the best translation of the Bible to read? And I tell them, I'm like, honestly, the one that you're going to read, 
Exactly. Like whichever one speaks to you, that's exactly. the one you're supposed to read. Because the, the worst thing in the world is having faith but it being presented in a way that just doesn't compute or that like, you know, you can't relate to. And that kind of felt like how it was for me growing up. It was just, it was there, but it wasn't really presented in a way I could relate to. There were a lot of these and thous and like, you know, it just didn't, it didn't catch with me. Um, And so, you know, I, I saw, I saw religion growing up, Um, but faith and spirituality and true connection with God and like truly following Jesus Christ in ways that made me uncomfortable rather than just ways that made me look good. Maybe those were things I learned along the way from Christians. Yeah. So you were very, you're a very deep thinker for a a young kid. I mean, really? Well, I am going to be 36, so I'm not super young. Tomorrow is my birthday actually. So Thanks. Um, I mean, those are, you know, for, for a young person, those are deep questions about spirituality. You know, they really are. Um, so that's impressive. And <laughs> I'm so, I'm so glad, like I said, that you're doing what you're doing, but did you start your Instagram account before you wrote your book or did you write your book first? Um, okay. So oh, now you're testing the timelines. Okay. So the idea for the book, definitely the idea for the book came to me before the Instagram, okay. the idea for the book came to me on our flight to our honeymoon. Um, and, and I, I remember that moment vividly, um, where I was, I just kind of like looked around the plane and looked up and I was like, I'm sorry, you want me to write a book about what? Like, no, like, are you out of your mind? Like, um, I don't want to, I don't want to write it. I don't, I don't think people want to read it. I don't, you know, um, but it took God, you know, a few years of working on my heart to really, uh, I would say though, that from that moment, the idea to publishing, you know, my book, pray for them. Um, I think it was something like four and a half years. Okay. Um, and really the idea for the Instagram came to me, I mean, maybe like two, two and a half years ago, but I really didn't get consistent with it until like the last year or so, okay. um, which has been, that's, that's definitely been like, you mentioned the consistency early on. So it's like, if you go back and watch my early videos, I'm in the bathroom doing my makeup yeah. with my kids in the tub, like <laughs> off. You can hear them yeah. splashing and, and making noise, but it's like the lighting was terrible. The audio was terrible. Like everything was terrible. But I, the, the whole point was like, I felt God calling me to start this Instagram and, um, and I didn't know how I was going to weave it into my daily routine as a busy mom, you right. know, like it didn't seem feasible. So I was just like, well, whatever, I'm just going to make these videos. I'm going to prop the phone up and do it while I'm doing something that I always do anyway. Right. You know, so like there I am putting under eye concealer on because the kids kept me up at night, you know, the night before. But it's like, it's, it's been an interesting, an interesting trajectory, you know, like I, um, I got a lot of rejection about the book along the way. And there was one very notable story of rejection. Um, This agent was, you know, she, she thought that the idea was good, but she had a lot of problems with my book. Um, And one of them was that I didn't have any Instagram followers. She was like, you have like 12 people following this account. Like no one's going to pay attention to you. No one's going to like this book. And I was like, well, you know, tell me what you really think. Um, you know, I said, like, well, what does that mean? And yeah. she's like, well, if you had like 30,000 followers, maybe I would pay attention to you oh to take you on the client. 
And she told me all these things that I should do for my Instagram. And I said, well, you know, like, you know, she was a woman of faith, I, um, from my understanding. And I said, well, here's what God's leading me to do with this Instagram. Right. These one minute sermons every day, just kind of little snippets. And she goes, no, 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 no. Nobody's going to be interested in that. What you need to be doing is, and she lists all these things that honestly didn't even sound interesting to me. Like right. she laid out this big plan of what she thought I should do. And I was like, well, none of that speaks to my spirit. So I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, go about this the way I feel led by the Holy Spirit. And what wound up happening was in, in a crazy twist of like posts going viral and like just inexplicable things that really, I believe have an explanation by the time my book came out. I think I had like 27,000 people following the account or maybe she said 35 and I had 32. All I know is I was only 3000 people off from her mark. And now ironically, like it's, you know, it's, it's ballooned in such a way that's been insane, but it's like, you know, it's, it's much more than that by the grace of God, um, which is really humbling, but it's like, you know, I think that that was like a test early on was like, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow like the experts in the world? Are you going to follow what she just said was a terrible idea, but that feels right on the inside. Um, and you know, like that's, that's really only God, you know, like I was just listening to something today. Um, they were referencing the scripture where it's like, you know, we water, we plant the the seed, we water the seed, but it's God who makes it grow. And it's like, I make the videos, I post the videos, but I couldn't make it grow. It's only God who's done that. Yeah. Well, I must do everything wrong because I didn't, I had no idea how many followers you had. That was not even a (laughs) thought in my head. I loved what you were doing. And, you know, I started this podcast. I've talked about it a little bit, but first I started it for fun just because I like talking to people. And I, I know people in my own personal life that have crazy stories and it would be fun to share them. And what it has kind of, and I know it's the Lord that's taken me this direction, but everybody that I've talked to is helping somebody else. They're all doing things mm-hmm. with people. And that wasn't my intention in the beginning, but that's kind of the direction I've gone. So now those are the people that I'm looking for. And so when I first saw your videos, it's like, I got to talk to her because this is wild. <laughs> and then after reading your book, I'm like, I really got to talk to her <laughs> because first of all, let's just go straight to the book. I had no idea it was going to be this big. <laughs> this book is huge. <laughs> I mean, I really, so it is big. It's, oh. big with the, it's big with the hardcover and it's just as big with the paperback. Oh, um, and I mean, what was so funny I read, I read a lot of big books, but it just shocked me. I was like, this thing is heavy. It's a lot of, and you don't really know. it's well spaced, you know, it's, it's not too cumbersome. It's not, it's not um, intimidating. I don't want anybody to be intimidated. No, 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 no. But here's the thing though. I knew, I knew it would be a little bit intimidating in the size. Um, but I also, I loved, I loved how the hardcover looked. And I told my husband, I honestly, this is like me. Um, I kept making so many errors in formatting that like I reached a certain point where I thought my cover designer was going to like, I don't know, he was going to like hunt me down and have a real problem with me because I was like, no, now it's got to be this size and this size. And my husband just goes, sweetheart, why why don't you just make them the same size and just reduce all the, just make it simple, put it at the same size. And so now it's like, if you look at the hardcover and the, the paperback, 
they're literally, I'm going to hold them up for you. They're the same size and they look the exact same, but I think that it's really cool because it almost gives the hardcover experience to the paperback readers who like the paperback experience, but it's like, I don't mind it. It's it's a bad book across the board, including including size. The content, the cover, it's all going to be very provocative. Yes. And I, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Um, your story, you're very vulnerable. Like, you know, everybody, even if everybody's not racist, everybody has prejudices. I have prejudices. Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants to announce them to the world, the things that they have been prejudiced about or racist or whatever. So you're very vulnerable in this book, which it's very impressive. Um, I, I loved the way you told the stories about your life. And I, I have to say at the beginning of each chapter, you know, you dedicated each chapter there was a name and a date and it, uh, you know, I noticed it at first and I thought, well, maybe it's people she knew, or maybe it's somebody from this chapter. And then after a while, I was like, who is this? And then I looked it up and then I realized you were dedicating the book to someone of color who had been, who had been killed for, you know, in that city or whatever, which I thought was yeah. extremely kind. I mean, that, that's special. That is bringing notice to a situation that often gets overlooked and forgotten about, you know what I mean? Because life goes on. So I thought that was very impressive. Um, Thank you. You know, I, I want to shout out just the full title for anyone following yes. or listening who, so yes. it's pray for them. The, it's pray for them. The true story of a racist white Christian called to black seminary. So you can imagine when God called me to write this book in early 2019, no, yeah, 2019 in like January, 2019, I like looked around and I was like, you want me to write what, yeah. you know, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this, you know, but like, so much of my life that had never made sense before it it suddenly snapped into focus in the context of this book you know like I I say it often but this book really arrived fully formed into my spirit like it was it was all laid out like how it was supposed to go and everything and so it's like you know the chapter dedications are an important part because I think that it contextualizes my individual story with the greater story, you know, and you can see that this isn't just a current problem just because cameras are are highlighting it currently, you know, there are stories and there are horrifying stories that happened in my lifetime. You know, Abner Louima is a story that haunts me. Um, from the from the NYPD, he was brutalized, and I won't I won't go into detail, but I hope that people look up his story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a story that has stuck with me since learning it. Um, and you know, like I just wanted to, I wanted to contextualize it in a way that was greater than just my story because it's not in my story. You know, I'm just one schmuck who's writing, you know, her perspective from, from you know. But it's like, you know, there's so many names that are forgotten. And, yeah. you know, so each chapter is dedicated to somebody who was either killed or injured um, through police brutality. And, you know, I know that it's a hot button topic. Yeah. My intention with this, I love police officers. I love law right. enforcement. My kids and I bring baked goods to our local precincts, you know, like we're, and I also love my black brothers and sisters and my brothers and sisters of color. Like we wanted to show up for both communities. Um, And, but what I also wanted to highlight was like, if you read the details of any of these chapter dedications, 
it is my hope that if you have a heart aligned with Christ, you will see a story that is not okay. Like I chose these stories very deliberately. I stayed up late for hours after my husband and, you know, first newborn went to sleep researching. And I want, cause I wanted stories that like could not be argued. So like that argumentative atheist that I used to be, I kind of played that in my mind. I'm like, well, what are going to be the big arguing points that like, this isn't a real problem or this isn't a good talking point. And it's like, so every story in it, you know, it addresses people struggling with mental health issues. There's one in which a one-year-old got shot, you know, like I'm a mom. If my one-year-old got shot, like it'd be, you know, on the news and it'd be a big problem, you know? And so it's like my intention with choosing each case was was to really highlight that there is something going on that I didn't know about yeah. um, and to to honor those victims and the survivors as well. And hopefully yeah. spark some conversations um, and, and continue some conversations that need to be had. Absolutely. Well, tell me, I mean, I, I know because I read it, but tell me when you did when you were accepted to that black seminary. I mean, that. That all of it just blew my mind. I, I, how are you feeling applying and then being accepted? And then that first day having to walk in, I mean, like, tell me what you were thinking. I viscerally uncomfortable the entire time, um, to be very frank. Um, you know, I, I, from a rural hometown in the Midwest, um, you know, I had black friends here and there growing up and stuff like that. Um, but I had never really been in a scenario where I was the only white person. Um, and when I felt God calling me to seminary, that was crazy enough. And then when I felt him calling me to uh, New York Theological Seminary up in uh, Harlem in New York, I was like, well, this is, this is, this is not at all what I expected. <laughs> Um, but now, you know, looking back, like I said, in light of this story, in light of this book that came to me, I'm like, well, now it all makes sense why he led me there. I didn't know at the time, you know, I just thought he was leading me out onto the water and I just started to follow because it was like, you know, sobriety had taught me to follow him, you know, when I'm uncomfortable and when it doesn't make sense and to quit those jobs where I didn't have a job lined up and it took me to my last, you know, few dollars before the next one came in, but then it did come in, you know? And so I had had, I had had a track record with God, you know, we had a history at that point where I'd seen a lot of miracles and I, I'd received a lot of grace. Lord knows um, way more than I, way more than I could ever deserve or pay back. Um, and so when I like, when I felt him calling me to this school, I didn't really ask why. I just kind of said, okay, if that's where you want me, then I, I'll, I'll look for how to do it. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, I was working this job that I hated, which doesn't necessarily narrow it down of my job record. <laughs> um, but it's like things started aligning that just can't make sense. You know, like we received these lists of like these big, massive multinational companies to reach out to, to see if they want to buy our insurance and nobody, not even the most seasoned salespeople on the team could get any sort of traction except me with this one deal. And it went all the way and it closed right at the time where I was called to do this seminar, where I was like, how am I going to afford to be in this seminary school? Right then is when that sale closed. And it was just like, is it odd or is it God? And it is never odd in my life. It is always God. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's amazing. It is amazing. And I love reading some of the stories that you shared about being in class. And I mean, I just, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Well, that you did that. Thank you. You know, I think that and I, I made another video. I haven't yet posted. I'm like teasing all these Instagram videos. Yeah. It's going to be a very exciting week to come. Um, but like I, I made a video recently about how I was talking to my husband about it. And he was saying, you know, the whole story, like the whole message of the Bible is like the messenger is never who you think it's going to be. You, It's never who you think it should be. Like the religious leaders, they were, you know, they were ne'er-do-wells and they didn't even like Jesus at all. You know, the priests couldn't stand it. You know, it was, it was homeless people. It was prostitutes. It was people that you never would expect, you know, right. like some of the most impactful people in my own life's journey have been, you know, one guy comes to mind. He's a former convict of a violent crime, but he turned his life over to Jesus Christ. And when I tell you today, he is one of the most spiritual, incredible people I've ever known. You know, yeah. I think that sometimes we mistake. Um, I just, uh, maybe, maybe the verse is like, to be childlike in our faith. I just, I think everyone has something to teach. Even oh, those yeah. mean atheists, you know, yeah. like they have something to teach us, even if nothing else other than like what not to do if you right. want a life of peace and, yeah. you know, serenity. But it's like when we lay down, you know, when we lay down these, um, these worldly divisions of like, you know, uh, economic class and race right. and male or female or whatever, um, it's like, we really learn that we have so much to learn yeah. from so many people. And we also learn that we're way more alike than we are different, you yes. know, like, and I found, you know, I had someone reach out to me uh, recently and I, I couldn't tell if the person was being sincere or kind of looking for an argument where yeah. they were like, well, was the school all black because, you know, it happened to be that way or was there segregation going on where they were keeping, Gosh. keeping certain people out. And, you know, I, I, prayed for the right words. And I said something along the lines of, you know, like I, um, I never experienced any of that. My experience in that class was people showing me the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And like, I think that that's, that changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't have to do that. My classmates didn't have to do that. My teacher, my professor didn't have to do that, but they did because that was who they were. Right. You know, that's who they are in Christianity, uh, the people described in the book. And I owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to them because wow. that experience taught me so much about humility and about vulnerability and wow. that we don't have to be as scared as feeling uncomfortable or being vulnerable as we think we do. Right. Yeah, because... People are going to learn from this. I mean, I, I'm going to put all the information when I post this video, I will put the link to the book and your information on there because I mean, everybody needs to read this. Like I said, we all have, we all have prejudice. We all have things that we are judgmental about. And <laughs> if you say you don't, you're not being honest with yourself. I mean, you're just not. So I, I'm very, I'm glad you wrote this book. And I have oh, to say the thing that really stood out to me I mean, it, all of it is great. Your stories, your life story is incredible and everything that you went through. But one of the things that stood out the most to me is um, when you were talking to your friend about looking for approval and she told you to stop going to the harbor store to buy oranges. Oh my gosh, that is something that I have been dealing with 
a lot yeah. recently. And I told my yeah. husband, I was like, you're not going to believe this. And so I read in the story and he said, okay, I'm going to, he said, when I see it, I'm going to start saying oranges. <laughs> because I mean, it was such a great analogy. You can't go to the hardware store and get oranges and then you can't get mad and go back the next day and try to get them again. You can't, when you know you're not going to have the approval that you want, you've got to stop looking in that place. And that spoke to me so much because like I said, that is something that I, I've been dealing with. So I love that you put that in there. That was so I good. Think, I think that there's, <clears throat> I think that there a lot of people are highlight that chapter to me when talking about the book and they say how much that meant to them. And, you know, there's uh, people come to me with applications that I never even thought of, you know, like they're like, Oh, I'm going through this totally different scenario, but here's how this applied. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I think that when we really get right, with who God wants us to be and where he's calling us to be the approval and these permission slips from others right. don't matter right. because it's like, if you know where you're going because yeah. of him, uh, what's it matter what people say? And honestly, I learned a lot of that. Um, you know, I was always a pretty defiant kid. Uh, I think anyone would have told you that, um, <laughs> but there's also like a good side to defiance too. And I, not only did I experience it in walking through this, when people tried to talk me out of going to seminary, let alone this seminary, you know, like people tried to talk me out of that, but it's also like, then I got into the seminary and I saw the living embodiment of Christians who from society, from people who were racist, were wagged fingers in their faces saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You're not a good person. You're not this, you're not that. And it's like, to find it in oneself, the anchoring in Jesus Christ to press on in spite of right. people, even in mass, a huge amount of people coming out against you. Like that was one of the most humbling lessons that my brothers and sisters in that class taught me yeah. was, you know, how to press on with yeah. God without the approval of people who may never approve of you. Exactly. You know, exactly. like it, it's, it, it's something that I didn't really need to think about. You right. know, I was always pretty thumbs up, you know, nobody hated me just for being, you know, right. and once they were sexist and then it's like, but I didn't know about that till way later, right. but it's like <clears throat> a lot of people of color experience hatred early yeah. for no other reason than the color of their skin. And so to to walk through that and yeah. to learn your whole life that like you can be right and everyone else can be wrong, but they're going to tell you you're wrong. Yeah. And yet to press on, I think is one of the most inspiring things. It is. It is. It was so beautiful. And I, I mean, I think I've told, I don't know how many people I've told, you're not going to believe the story, but I've talked <laughs> about it in conversation multiple times because it's just so good. It's just such a great way to explain not looking for approval because they may never approve. And so you're right. just going to wear yourself out and make yourself miserable. Exactly. Searching for that, you know, so, well, do you have any, do you have any plans? I'm actually, uh, I'm actually, I just started writing, um, one, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't, you don't have to I say don't anything. No, I'm, I'm still in that early idea phase. Um, but honestly, right now I, I felt God call me, um, a couple days ago to like really focus on 
pray for them for the next six months and yeah. see what happens. You know, I'm kind of writing this other book on the side, but really I just want people to experience this story. You'll hear my toddler in the background. So I, I may have to get going here soon, okay. but really, you know, pray for them is yes. my other baby short of the yes. other babies that I got to go tend to. <laughs> Are you doing a book tour or anything or have you done a book tour? Not currently, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, like I've been pleasantly surprised with people's reception of the book, um, especially since that agent told me the book would never work. My Instagram would never work. You know, so it's, it's been lovely to see people's reactions. Um, and thank you so much for inviting me on and like, you know, helping to share the story and the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's really what it all boils down to. Well, if you come to Texas on your book tour, let me know. I'll, I'll be following. You're going to first when I tell. I promise. Okay. Thank you so much for talking to me. I have been looking forward to this for a while. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I know we had to reschedule there briefly. And thank you for your patience on Life that. Life happens. Life happens. So I appreciate you talking to me. I hope you enjoy your day. Go love on those babies. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.